0: Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit church. Good morning. I'm so glad that you're with us today. We are beginning a brand new teaching series called Image. I want you to think about Image. And the picture on your screen today is someone... Um, kind of looking at the reflection in a mirror, and every one of us probably looked at a mirror today before we came here. By the way, good job. You look beautiful. You look handsome. Way to go. Uh, You look presentable. You were ready to leave the house. Way to go. Um, We all look at ourselves in unique ways. And there are days where we feel really strongly and positively about ourselves. And there are days when we feel sort of weak or sort of small about ourselves. We feel less than about ourselves. And over the last few weeks, I've been thinking about us as a church and and we as a people. And and it has come to be really, really clear. It's absolutely important. It's absolutely imperative that you and I have a right view of ourselves, because when we have a right view of ourselves, it's gonna impact the way we receive love from God, it's gonna impact the way we receive love from other people, and it's also gonna impact the way we treat other people. How we view ourselves affects all of those things. So for this week and next week, we're in this series called Image, because we need to understand how do we need to view ourselves accurately? What's true about who we are? How do we need to view ourselves? What what does our self-image need to be like? The trouble with human self-image began in the Garden of Eden. If you think way back then, um, Adam and Eve, there was a moment after they sinned where they were hearing God walk in the garden, and what were Adam and Eve doing? They were hiding, they were ashamed. They were ashamed because they were aware of their nakedness and so they had some shame that they were thinking, uh, uh, we don't need to let anybody see our our bodies because there's something not right about the way they look or whatever or they're not good enough or I won't be accepted or received or loved and they were also ashamed Because they had had sinned against God and gone against his word and violated his instruction. They were hiding in this moment. In the Garden of Eden, you see the first example of someone thinking less of themselves than what is true. Adam and Eve, in that moment, believed that their actions had changed the way that God loved them. And God was going to give them consequences, as a good parent does. But God never stopped loving them for a moment. If we don't have a right and biblical, and God-centered, and Jesus-centered self-image, we will begin to think that our actions, that our bodies, that our achievements, or lack of achievements, that that will change how God sees us, and that will change God's love for us. And you and I need to be grounded, and anchored, and locked down in the truth that we are fully loved by God when we wake up in the morning before we've done one thing right or one thing wrong. We are fully loved by God when you wake up in the morning before you've done one thing right or one thing wrong. And if you've had a day where you've done 27 things wrong, God does not love you one ounce less. This must be the heart and the basis of our understanding of self the verse that we're going to kind of launch out of this morning is in the book of 1 John. It's going to come up on your screen. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Um, this is one of those great Bible verses that speaks the truth of who you and I are in Christ. So this is for all the Christians in the room, all those who are followers of Jesus. And in the NIV, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are. You can almost hear John who's writing this letter saying, do you see it? Come on, behold, do you see how amazing it is that God has lavished love upon us? That word lavished is important because it's this reminder that God does not dispense love to you in a little eyedropper. But God has buckets and waterfalls without end of love for you and how do we receive that the verse tells us the reality of receiving the love of God is that we are called the children of God now Christians let me ask you this question this morning did any of us deserve to be forgiven of our rebellion no did any of us deserve anything less than eternal punishment and judgment? No, we all deserve that because everyone has sinned against God, but the miracle of the gospel, the great truth of grace is this: is that God so loved the world that He gave his only son, and that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life, and to as many as received them, he gave the opportunity, the right, the privilege to become the children of God. It is a miracle that God, when he looks at you, he doesn't look at you and see sinner, if you're a Christian. When God looks at you, he doesn't see rebel. When God looks at you, he doesn't see betrayer. When God looks at you, he doesn't see promise breaker. When God looks at you, he doesn't see pornography dabbler. When God looks at you, he doesn't see liar. When God looks at you, he sees, that's my son. That's my daughter. And we we need to have some words maybe about some things, but that's a part. But when I look at them, that's my son. And I could not be more in love with my son. That's my daughter. And no matter what they do, nothing will change that. This is why John is saying, Do you see how great this is? How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us with these waterfalls and buckets of kindness and undeserved favor where God has just said to you, you deserve to be called my enemy, but I shall call you son or daughter. You deserve to be eternally punished in a place called hell, but because of what Jesus did on the cross and resurrection, I will give to you new life and I will adopt you as my sons and daughters. This is the great love of God. Lavished on us. This verse says here also, just very plainly. I, I, I love how John just says this, and that is what we are. And I need everybody to look up here just for a second. I, I I'm on behalf of God this morning. I am pleading with you to believe, not just here, but to believe down deep that that is who you are. That's your reality. That's the truth about you. You are a fully loved, fully accepted son or daughter of God, forgiven by grace. That's the truth of you. That's who you are. How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. That is what we are. So no more to a shame-based label on your life that says I am a slacker of a Christian, I am inconsistent and weak, I am nothing, I am ugly, I am this, that, or the other, I'm not enough. No more of that. You wanna know what your self-definition is? I am a son or a daughter of the Most High God. That's who I am. And that doesn't puff me up, it humbles me. And it causes me to be grateful. But we have to have this clear image. Having the right self image absolutely matters. Because as I've said, what you believe about who you are, this will affect the way you receive love from others, the way you receive love from God, and the way you treat other people. I want to give you four reasons why this morning. Why this is absolutely imperative that you have a right view of self. Number one, Because of confidence. I want you to write down the word confidence if you're taking notes this morning. You need to have a right view of self so that you can have confidence. When you have a right view of self, you are shielded from trying to define your worth through comparison. Ouch. How many of us are so guilty of comparison? comparing ourselves to other people, and then trying to define our worth. I am something when I look at somebody else, or I'm not something because I looked at somebody else. When you have a right view of self, you have confidence in who you are, fully loved, fully accepted, child of God, child of the King. And you are shielded from trying to determine your worth through comparison and as you scroll through the feed on your phone and you look at everybody else living their best life and you're just thinking man uh, mine's not all that great I'm not all that great and what's the deal? You know, somebody's already talking about swimsuit season, and it's February, and I don't want to think about swimsuits ever. And somebody else is thinking about, look at their new girlfriend. That's awesome. Girls won't talk to me right now. I don't know what the deal is. But I'm looking through all of these things. Oh, this person got a new job. I hate my job. I'm All kinds of comparison. And you begin to define whether you have worth or whether you have value through comparison. And young people, I'm speaking directly to you this morning. Your great danger as a Christian is to define yourself by comparing yourself to others and other people's lives. Be on your guard, dear ones. And please remember that everybody's Instagram feed is all of the best edited versions of their lives. Nobody posts the discouraged low points. Nobody posts the bedhead photos. Nobody posts the days when they are just barely clinging and hanging on. So be on your guard, young and old, about comparing yourself. Moms in the room, stop comparing your worth or value as a woman or as a mom because you're comparing yourself to what other people are doing in mom world on Facebook or Instagram. Stop it. Christian, stop comparing yourself and your spiritual life because you're reading what other people are posting about their spiritual life and you're just like, man, I am not deep at all. I want to be deep. Which leads us to number two. The second reason why having the right self-image matters is the word humility. Write down the word humility. Humility. It's absolutely important that you and I have a right view of self because this keeps us from thinking more of ourselves than we should. Some of us in the room, you don't struggle with low self image, you've got overinflated self image. You are pretty well convinced you are the stuff. You are pretty well convinced that you can do it all, you got it all, and everyone else just exists sort of to get out of your way so you can do your thing. And you're convinced that, that everybody, if everyone else would just get on board with what you want, life would be better. You're also very self-sufficient. And in the back of your mind, you may never put the words together, but you might realize you've been living like, I only need God in emergencies. Because the view of myself is so high. I am foolishly thinking I don't need him that much. In Romans 12.3, it says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you thought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Friends, none of us are self-made. If we have a good marriage, God deserves the credit, amen? If we have blessings and good things in our world, God deserves the credit, amen? If we're having success and maybe some notoriety and and we're making a splash and people are taking notice and good things are happening and people are excited about you when you walk in the room, that is not a moment for you to turn and go, (laughs) I am kind of amazing, that is a moment for you to say thank you Lord for the favor of my life in this season. And if any acclaim comes my way, I will turn it and reflect it to you. When you have a right view of self, you're humble. Because somebody might say you're amazing and you may say thank you for noticing how hard I've been working, thank you for noticing what's going on in my life, thank you for that. Um, I just want to say anything good in my life is only possible because of God. That keeps you humble. Because just as it is toxic for you to think less of yourself than who you really are, it is also toxic for you to think more of yourself than you should. We have to have a right view of self. Number three. The third word this morning for you here of why it's important to have a right view of self is the word fishing. Yes, like fishing. Fishing. You can think of it as a fishing pole uh, with a line and some bait and a hook or you can think of it as a net where it's throwing out some net to catch some fish. Here's here's why it's important to have an accurate view of self, a Bible-based, God-centered view of self because if you don't, You will use others to increase your own sense of value and worth. And you will put things out there in the world. You will say things and dress a certain way, all as a way to fish for compliments. All as a way to fish for, would you validate me? All as a way to fish for, would you think I'm awesome? Fish, for would you help me feel better about myself today? I'm putting this out there. I'm posting this. I'm posting this today because I really need to get something back from you. When you don't have a right view of self, you don't treat others well. You may be prideful like I was just talking about in the humility realm, or you may be using other people to elevate yourself. I've been around people from time to time and I've just had the sense where they're not really interested in me, they just wanna use me and other things around me to elevate them or to make their lives better or to further their agenda or to use me to make them feel better about them. And that doesn't make me mad, it makes me sad that they don't know who they really are. So they're fishing for someone else to tell them who they are. I don't take a lot of selfies. I'm I'm not anti-selfie. Selfies are cool. I just don't take a lot. We'll we'll take one right now. Okay, 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 I'm coming, I'm coming. I gotta get this side over here because I didn't smile right. Okay, cool. And some of you have like a whole routine. I gotta get my neck right. I gotta suck in right. I gotta smile right. I gotta squint my eyes right. I gotta do that thing I read about on YouTube right. I gotta get my selfie right. And then I gotta edit it. And I gotta find the shadows and take these down and soften the lines and all those kind of things. Selfies are fine. They're great. I don't take a whole lot of selfies, but they're they're fine. I, I want you to think about the selfie for just a moment in terms of this fishing. Usually, anytime you take a selfie and post a selfie, It's because you want some kind of a response. And they're not all bad. The first kind of response you might want is, hey, I'm posting this because I want you to celebrate with me. I'm posting a selfie with my my wife, and it's her birthday, and I'm just like, she's awesome, she's amazing, celebrate with me. Or I'm posting a selfie um, in, you know, some of you students, you're going to post a selfie in your graduation cap and gown. It's coming, hang on, it's going to be great, and you're going to want everybody to celebrate with you, and they should. We will celebrate with you. Nobody more than your mom and dad. They'll be saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. They made it. Now college. (laughs) But, Sometimes we post a selfie because we want people to respond and celebrate with us. The second reason why is because we want to honor someone or honor something. And, and we, we, we go to a really amazing event or we hear an incredible speaker or we're at an incredible concert or we're at an incredible restaurant. And we want to honor the meal. We want to honor the artist. We want to honor the speaker, the singer. And all those things are fine. We just we're like, hey, I'm putting this out here. I want you to see this person or this thing and honor it with me. Come on. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's awesome. It's great. There's a third reason why people take selfies sometimes though. And it, what you're saying is, I'm posting this because I want you to be impressed with me. And that's that fishing for value and worth. And that's not healthy. Before you post your next selfie, think about, why am I putting this out there? Am I putting it out there to invite people to celebrate this with me and that's great or to honor this with me and that's great or am I putting this out there hoping to reel back in people on the other side of the screen, people on their phone going oh man that Joe David he is so much better than me you know he is so impressive he's incredible He's awesome. Man, when I grow up, I want to be like Caroline Smith. I mean, her life is just amazing. She is so smart and impressive. And and don't get me started on Katie Narrell. That's just a whole other story over there. She's just, I can't even keep up with her. She's absolutely incredible. And man, that kid, Braden Duke. I mean, this guy right here, his, his life is so stellar. And just a sharp young man, really, really good guy. I'm fishing for that. Be careful. Because in that moment, you're revealing that there's a hole down deep in me. And I'm saying to everybody out in Instagram and Facebook world, would you fill up this hole for me? I mean, I'm not going to go to God and say, God, who do you say that I am? I'm not going to go to the Bible and say, what does the Bible say that I am? I'm going to go to you and I'm going to say, would you be impressed with me? Because a little bit later, I'm going to check and I'm going to go, how many likes did I get? And then I'm going to gauge how impressive I am by the likes or the shares. And all of a sudden, it's clear, I'm fishing for people to be impressed with me. I'm really fishing for people to help me feel significant. And I want to say to you, young and old, please post something. It's an incredible time to be alive. Take pictures of your kids, your family, your favorite meal, your favorite band, your friends, all the events you do, the fun things, the silly things, the moments, the anniversaries, all the things. It's so great. Go for it. Go for it. But just be aware of the why. And if you'll be clear about who you really are, if you'll have a God-centered, God-grounded image of self, then you'll post because your heart's full of joy and your life's full of gratitude and not post to try to get other people to define you as worth something. You are worth something before you do anything. You're worth something if you never post anything. You're worth something if you get one like. You're worth something if you get zero likes because your worth does not come in thumbs up and little red hearts. Your worth comes from God. Hello? And sometimes that fishing isn't all on social media. Sometimes that fishing is in conversations. Well, I got some new shoes this weekend. I'm not just telling you my clothing update. I'm fishing. Yeah, I got a haircut this week. (coughs) Looks good. You're really pretty. You're really handsome. Be on your guard against conversations that you have where you're simply setting the hook and bringing something into the conversation, bringing up a topic, bringing up a subject, just so somebody will bite on that and give you something to make you feel better about yourself. Be on your guard about conversational fishing. This is why it's important to have a right view of self because you can avoid the fishing. Number four, the fourth reason. Why it's absolutely important, young and old, that we have a right view of self. It's absolutely important that we have a right view of self. Is because of the cross. Because of the cross. Jesus died for you. Can we just pause there for a second? Jesus went to the cross for you. And he conquered death for you. He rose. Jesus is not still dead. Hallelujah. He rose from the grave for you and for me. Jesus died and rose so that you could be free. You must have a right view of self because when you live in a false view of self or when you think you have no worth or you're not significant or you're not very valuable, you diminish the work of the cross of Christ. And the cross of Christ finished it and bought you out of slavery to comparison, and bought you out of this identity as a sinful rebel, and the cross bought you into freedom, and to being clean, and bought you into a relationship of you are a son or daughter of God. That's who you are. So friends, when we live with a bad view of self, a low view of self, or an overinflated view of self, when we're not thinking rightly about who we are, we diminish the work of Jesus on the cross. None of us wants to do that. Amen? Every attempt at defining who you are, every image of self should start at the cross, This week was uh, Valentine's week. If that's news to you, you're likely in trouble somewhere uh, along the way. Uh, th- Thursday was Valentine's Day, and Valentine's is, is one of those special opportunities that corporate America has invited us to participate in. Um, I think I paid $6.99 for a greeting card, and then I'm thinking, like, how do I get into the business of writing greeting cards? This sounds really amazing. There's a piece of folded paper and some sparkly stuff, no glitter, sparkly stuff, and it's 699, but um, Valentine's Day, I love to jump in and communicate worth and value to my wife. Stacey and I have been married uh, for almost 29 years. So it'll be 29 in June. We've been um, together for a long, long, long time, and she still makes my heart beat fast. I still love her deeply. She's still my best friend, the person I want to tell all the stuff to, the person I want to hang out with, the people I want to go on adventures with. She is still all of that to me, but because I know all of us still struggle with self-image, and some days we don't think highly of ourselves as sons and daughters of God. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm not as valuable because of of what I said, or what I did, or the way I look, or the way I'm aging, or all those kind of things, and I want to cut any of that off, and I want to take every opportunity, and I don't need a holiday for that. I try to tell my wife. I love her every single day. I tell my wife that she's beautiful all the time. I speak those words to her. But on Valentine's Day, I want to make a gesture. So I put a box together and I got a bunch of filler stuff in there and I created this little arrangement of things. And and one of the things I, I got for her was this big 1,500 piece puzzle of this beautiful place in Italy. We've been privileged to go to Italy a couple of times and we're Lord willing, want to go back for our 30th anniversary someday. And, and I thought one of the things that I want to do in our household as our kids are now out and gone to college and stuff is that I want to make sure we're not just staring at Netflix all the time. I want to make sure that I'm still talking with her and connecting with her. So we're going to take this puzzle and we're going to go into our formal dining room. Do you guys have one of those that you'd never eat at except Thanksgiving and Christmas and when you have church people over and all that kind of stuff like that. So we have, we're going to set up our, our puzzle in there because I want to do something with her. And I said that to her. I said, I want to spend time with you where we're not just both staring at a screen. I wanted that to communicate something to my wife. I bought her a greeting card. And even though it was $6.99, I didn't even blink at that because of what the words said to that. And it had to do with our relationship and how much she is an answer to prayer in my life. And I wanted that to go toward her. That was in the box. I had this other little thing I found um, that was this, um, this little book. Uh, I bought it at World Market. It was a little book, and you can fill in the blanks. It's a book, it's, it's, it's a little book, and it's full of blanks uh, with little question prompts, and the book says, a book about Stacy written by Kyle. And, and it says, you know, my favorite thing about you is this. Or I love it when you say this. Or I love it when you do this. And I remember most, my favorite memory of us is this. And all these kind of things. I going to fill this in. I wanted to take time so that she could flip through the pages. And it would drown out all the voices that say you're not good enough. Or that you should compare yourself to others. Or that you should think you don't have enough value. And you don't have enough worth. I wanted to speak and show and give a gesture to her. That she is fully loved and fully accepted couple other things in the box. I just wanted to communicate to her. I value you. I want to spend time with you. I want to know you. I still love you. You still make my heart beat fast. I'm still deeply and crazy in love with you, just as you are. I want to say that to her as a gesture. And that was just Thursday at my house. You want to talk about gesture? What about that gesture to you and me? I arranged a little box. Do you know what your father in heaven did for you? He said, I want a relationship with you, but you've sinned. And that sin must be paid for. I'm not just gonna blow it off. So there needs to be a way that's made for you to have a relationship with me. There needs to be a way for you to be forgiven. And so a sacrifice needs to be made. It needs to be paid for. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll pay for your sins with my son. I'll sacrifice my son for your rebellion. I'll sacrifice my son for your worth to drown out all the voices that you're not enough, that you're not loved, to drown out all the voices that your life is ruined and over and worthless, to drown out all the voices that you do not have value. There has never, ever been a gesture of love in the history of history like the cross. Hello? And how in the world is that gesture not enough for us? How is it that you and I can wake up and look in the mirror and think we're not beautiful in the eyes of our Father or loved in the eyes of our Father, accepted by our Father? How in the world is that gesture not enough? But somehow it isn't. And we struggle with this image of self. The cross says so much about God. He wasn't just gonna blow off sin, sin had to be dealt with. But the cross also says so much about you, about your worth and value. It is the most supreme act of love there has ever been. I want everyone in this room to hear it and understand it and receive it and believe it. You are loved by the God of the universe just as you are. As a matter of fact, you were loved even while you were a sinner and a rebel. The cross is absolutely essential to forming a right view of self. I don't know if I have any worth or value. Look at the cross. And if you need more, Let me show you some things on screen here just a few things of what the Bible says about you in Christ. This is what the Bible says about you. You were foreknown before the foundations of the world. You were chosen, loved, sought after, The son of God came to seek and save that which was lost. You were rescued and redeemed. You are holy. You don't just sometimes act holy. You are righteous. You don't just sometimes act in righteousness. That's who you are because of Christ. You've been adopted. You're a saint. You're forgiven. You're clean. You're free. You're new. You're sealed. You're filled. You're called. You're assigned to a ministry of reconciliation. You're accountable for how you lived your life. you you're empowered, you're promised, you're destined for eternity in heaven. You're a friend of God. You're a sheep in the flock of the good shepherd. How good is that? You're sustained in all things and you've been created for good works. My goodness, you have worth and value. My goodness. So let's be clear together, can we? Your mom or dad's opinion of you does not determine your value or worth. Grown-ups, way back, your mom or dad's opinion of you does not determine your value or worth. What that coach said to you a long time ago is not a correct determination of your value and worth. Your looks, young and old. Do not determine your value or worth. Your title at work does not determine your value and worth. And by the way, your title at home does not determine your value at work, if, uh, value, uh, value and worth. If you're at home and you're, you, you work for a living, you have a job, you're more than just a paycheck to the family. Your title and the role you play in your household is not the fullness of your worth. You're not loved because you put money in the bank. You're loved because of who you are. If you don't work outside the home, if you're a stay-at-home dad or if you're a stay-at-home mom, your title as mom or dad, that is not the total of your worth. You are loved not because you take care of the family. You are loved for who you are. Your athletic ability or the lack of it does not determine your value or worth. Your looks or clothing size do not determine your value or worth. Your title in the company does not determine your value and worth. When you hit that next level on the org chart, you're not more important. You were already full loved, fully loved when you started. Your wealth does not determine your value and worth. Your followers and likes on social media do not determine your value and worth because your value and worth is established and locked in heaven. You are a creation of the creator of the universe. You are chosen, blood-bought and blood-washed son and daughter of the Most High God. That is who you are. So I'm calling you out today to think rightly about who you are in the eyes of God because you will never think rightly about yourself until you receive and believe what God thinks about you let me say that again you will never think rightly about yourself until you receive and believe what God thinks about you what does God think about you? Well, if you're a believer, we've been talking about it. First John 3, 1 got us off to a good start. You're a child of God. That's who you are. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you still carry the label of separated from God. When God looks at you, he sees sinful enemy. If you're not a follower of Jesus, that's just true. So maybe for you today, the big response of the morning is to say, I'm so thankful to God for sending his son Jesus to make a way for me to have a relationship with him. Maybe your response this morning is to say, I wanna follow Jesus with my life so that I'm changed from being an enemy of God to a child of God. I wanna believe in Jesus today and become a Christian. Maybe that's your response today because that's how God thinks of you if you're not a follower. And many of us in this room who are Christians, you have heard that God loves you but, but you haven't quite believed it. If you're married, maybe you can understand this. There are times maybe when your spouse has said, um, man, you look really nice. And you've just said, no, I don't. You're, you're married to me. You're supposed to say that. You kind of have to say that. No, I'm not. I don't look really nice. Because all I see are the wrinkles, the extra pounds, the things that aren't in place where they used to be in place, the hair that's no longer there. All I see is a stack of things that pile up to I'm not much. So when you tell me I look really nice, I heard it. But I don't receive it or believe it. Husbands, your wife needs you to believe and receive that you are fully loved just as you are so that you can receive your wife's love for you. So when she tells you, you look handsome, you can say, thank you for drowning out the noise of comparison. Because I wasn't thinking very highly of myself today when I thought about how good other people look. Thank you. Wives, your husband needs you, needs you to lock into your identity in Christ that you are fully loved and fully accepted exactly as you are. And when your husband tells you you look nice, it's not because he's obligated. When your husband tells you you look nice, it's because you look nice. (laughs) You really do. And he needs you to be at rest in a real right view of who you are so that you can receive his love for you and drown out all the voices of comparison and all the voices that say, I'm not enough. A right view of self enables you to receive the love of God and the love of others. It's incredible how we give so many people, past and present, the power to determine our worth. Some of you today have a hard time believing God's full love for you and God's full acceptance for you or your spouse's full love and full acceptance of you because you have decades of negative self-image stacked upon each other where you've just believed that you are not enough, that you're less than, that you're not beautiful, that maybe once you were attractive but you're not anymore or these things, you've just, you've got just stacks of things And maybe it was a teacher or a coach or a parent or a friend who said, you'll never, or you're not, or you're nowhere good as this, or you're ugly or whatever. And you're still defining yourself by that thing in the past. And some of you young people and older people, listen, one of the best spiritual responses you can make this morning is, is that you're giving people you don't even know on Instagram the power to make you feel bad about yourself because you're letting their feed define your image of self. And one of the best spiritual responses you can make is to unfollow those people today. Because when I look at that person's feed, all it does is make me feel something untrue about who I really am. It makes me feel less than an accepted, loved child of God. So I'm done putting that in front of my eyes. Am I smelling what I'm cooking this morning? Unfollow the people, the accounts that trigger an untrue view of who you really are. Stop giving the power to people to define you in untrue ways. There once was a kid whose parents were tragically killed. And as a result of that, this kid was kind of shipped off to live with some relatives that he didn't know. He was very little at the time. And this family did not receive him. They did not want him there. As a matter of fact, they berated him and mistreated him and they made him sleep in like a little room under the stairs. And he grew up believing that he was not worthy of being loved until Hagrid showed up and said, you're a wizard! Some of you are slow on the uptake here. The little kid grew up thinking... I'm not anything worthy of being loved until someone stepped in and framed it and defined it. Let me tell you who you are. It's not by accident that you're in this room this morning and you may have been living thinking, I'm not worth much. I'm not valuable. I'm not significant. I'm not loved or accepted but God brought you here this morning to make it clear for you, to define for you who you are. And God is saying, before you did one thing right, before you did one thing of note, before you received one award, before you did anything that anybody else thought was interesting or impressive, before you became this well-thought-of person, you were already fully loved and accepted by God exactly as you are. And this morning, in this room, no matter what your achievements look like, no matter what your body looks like, no matter what you feel like your influence is, you are absolutely, completely, irrevocably, never change you are loved and God has said to you through the cross this is how much you're worth so define who you are through that lens and the takeaway of this morning isn't that you leave here going wow I'm pretty super special the takeaway from this morning is wow I do have worth I do count, I do matter, I am loved. That's the takeaway for this morning. I don't know how you're going to do this. I think it's going to have to be a work of the Holy Spirit, but I'm calling you to receive and believe God's love for you. It's going to have to supernaturally break through a whole lot of negative self-talk that you've been speaking to yourself about yourself. It's going to have to be supernatural, penetrating power to break through all the negative image of self that other people have defined for you. But do we believe this morning that our God can do anything? Hello? Then by faith, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Would you by faith ask the God of the universe to cause you to feel deeply loved, to believe it and to receive it? Would you ask God to cause you to see yourself as He sees you? Would you ask God to set you free from comparison? Would you ask God to undo what cruel people have said to you? Would you ask God to help you receive your spouse's love and affection? you ask God to make you sensitive to others so that you might be a voice of love and acceptance to them to make sure they know you love them to make sure they know they count they matter God we come this morning With a hope of understanding who we really are, in light of the cross and your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that made a way for us to be children instead of enemies. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would change lives this morning, that we would leave here in confidence, in humility and at peace in our hearts with who we are. It's who we are, is who you say we are. Do that work in us, we pray, amen.